The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. We are your nation's public radio source for the news, advice, information, and techniques you need to build your own financial independence through real estate investing. And today we are talking about a topic that every real estate entrepreneur trips over at some point or another in their real estate investing career, and that is renovations and how to get the highest quality at the lowest price. My guest today is Pete Youngs from Atlanta, Georgia. His expertise is in teaching people how to rehabilitate properties for a fraction of the normal estimated costs. Pete has a lot of experience on both sides of the rehab picture. His company uh, got the renovation contract for the living quarters in the 1996 Atlanta Summer Games. And he has also himself renovated for his own investment hundreds of homes. So he's here today to teach you how to do that thing that your colleagues seem to be able to do, but you never seem to be able to do, which is get good quality work at the lowest possible price. Joining us from his home in Atlanta is Pete Youngs. Pete, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thanks, Lena. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and we- I look forward to I look forward to uh, spending some time giving some great tips and techniques here and everything. Um, How's the how's everything going out there? We've had some bad weather here, but we're good now. Are y'all okay? Well, I was in Atlanta last weekend, and it was seventy degrees when I left. I was in my shirt sleeves. I was, you know, had my I was walking around in my bare feet, and I got back here, and it was thirty, and that was the warmest it's been all week. So, <laughs> right, not so awesome weather wise here in Cincinnati. And somehow it just seems like a bigger slap in the face when it's twenty degrees after it's been sixty five than when it's twenty after it's been six. Right. I got lucky enough. I got I'm sorry. I got lucky enough to be out of town when we had some snow down here that uh, that I was glad that I missed. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, um, I've got a lot of real estate rehab tips and everything to go over. So um, I'm looking forward to this. Well, and I'm sure our listeners are, too, because rehab advice is one of the things that uh, folks most commonly ask for here on Real Life Real Estate. And I want to Give our phone number out so that uh, if, if if people listen to you and they have some some real specific questions about you know what what color should I paint my house or whatever they can go ahead and call you while you're here on the air. Our toll free number here in the studio is eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. That's eight seven seven 
772-9658. And you can also send an email. What you do is you go to our website, ask, uh, uh, askvina.com and on the site you'll see a button that says ask vina question and you do that and uh it'll send it here to me via email so uh pete big picture here i know from from working with with lots of investors over the years that if you ask any five investors how much it costs to do a certain set of jobs you will get five different answers and they're not gonna they're not gonna be different by dollars, they're gonna be different by thousands of dollars for the for the exact same rehab. And uh those those dollars of course translate directly into money in your pocket, right? If you're gonna buy a house and fix it for ten thousand, you're gonna make more than if you buy the same house and fix the same house for twenty thousand. That's correct. These people that these people that are, are getting these these low, low costs like you are uh, in what in what major areas are they able to cut the costs while still getting good quality rehabs? Well, the biggest thing is to be able to know where to go to get multiple estimates. Because if you can get multiple estimates, then you're going to lower your costs. Because obviously, the more people that's bidding on a job, the more competitive that it's going to be. Now, that being said, uh, don't get me wrong. I've been in the business. I've been a general contractor for 30 years. But what I want to do is to let people know that they can basically act as if they were a general contractor, not saying to to go out and try and get licensed or anything like that. But if somebody told you how they, as a general contractor, used certain techniques to get lower cost labor and you did the same thing as an investor, then basically what you're doing is you're pocketing about 40 to 50 percent of the rehab cost back in your pocket because that's what a general contractor does. They get somebody to agree to pay this amount of money for this amount of work to be done on a property, and then they turn around and hire someone else to do it. Now, that's one of the big things. If you don't want to do the work yourself, then you want to be able to hire it out. And 99% of the people I know want to hire it out because they don't want to do the work. So here's some of my first tips and, and techniques that I recommend. First off, if you're looking for people to do any certain type of job, then you need to go where they are. I mean, it's very simple. I'm going to make a joke out of this real quick. If I wanted to find 30 hamburger-eating people, then I would go to a hamburger joint during lunch hour, and I would stand next to the counter, and I'd come face-to-face with 20 or 30 hamburger-eating people, if that's what I'm looking for. But if I'm looking for painters, if I'm looking for uh, drywallers, if I'm looking for roofers, if I'm looking for plumbers, it doesn't matter what the trade is then I will go to a material supply house, just anyone. You can pick whatever you like and just go there between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock in the morning and stand there near the counter or the coffee because that's when most of us general contractors, we end up meeting our subcontractors, our hourly workers, our, our laborers, everybody that we end up having work with us, we meet there to pick up the materials and take them to the job and get them started. So if you want to come face-to-face with loads of people who do what you're looking to hire, go to any material supply house, whatever it is that you're looking for, uh, painting, plumbing, whatever, between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock in the morning, and you'll come face-to-face with at least 20 to 30 people, and every single person in that store does what you're looking to hire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Item number one is is just simply don't put that person between you and the people who are actually doing the work because <laughs> it's it's 
it's very unusual for a general contractor to be to be in the property, you know, up to his elbows in drywall mud. He's just hiring people. And of course, the only way he can make money doing that is to charge an override on it. And uh, if you can find your contractors in the same place he finds his, that's going to save you a whole bunch of money right there. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, we're talking today to Pete Youngs about how to save money on renovations. And this is this is going to be the case whether you're doing a full-blown, you know, bought an ugly house, going to fix it up and sell it rehab, or whether you're a landlord who who has to do turnovers in between uh, your tenants, or, or maybe it's it's just time to go into that rental and, and, and really refurbish it. We're taking your questions at 877-772-9658 or go to our website, askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Today I'm talking to Pete Youngs, who is making a sweep through Ohio next week with appearances on March 4th in Columbus and on March 6th here in Cincinnati. Uh, you can get information about the March 4th meeting at centralohioria.com. You can get the information about the March 6th meeting at cincinnatiria.com. At that meeting, he's going to be, or those meetings, excuse me, he's going to be giving you very specific uh, product tips. Uh, you go to this store and get this thing and use it for this. And and uh, I've seen this presentation before and it, it you're going to be taking notes with both hands and you're going to get so many ideas about things like how to not replace countertops and not replace bathtubs and not replace appliances. Uh, it is practically guaranteed to save you thousands and thousands of dollars on your next rehab. Uh, both of those meetings are free to the general public. So Again, centralohioria.com for Columbus or cincinnatiria.com for Cincinnati. So, Pete, one one area uh, that you mentioned is be your own general contractor. Now, the the problem for most real estate folks who what they're really good at is is going and finding the deal is that they don't know how to negotiate on labor costs with people who are actually going to do the labor. And of course, the fear is always: if I get cheap labor, I'm going to get cheap work. And if I if I if I pay that guy out of the yellow pages a zillion dollars, then I'll get really good quality work. In your experience, um, it is not there's not necessarily a connection between how much you pay and what kind of work you get. That is correct. Um, provided that you go and get the right people, you're going to get the quality of work. It's just a matter of being able to get that quality of work done for a cheaper price. Now, the good thing is, is those people that are going to attend either one of the two meetings, either the one in Columbus or the one in Cincinnati, I'm going to be going over specific price lists on what things cost. So that's going to be a benefit to people who show up. I'm going to literally go over some some hard costs so that people know what things cost. Um, one of my other things is to make sure that you're getting a quality contractor and that you're knowing that you're getting the best price that you can get. One of my other tips and, and techniques is to send somebody to a brand new neighborhood that's being built uh, because there's every trade known to construction going on there. There's tile people, carpet people, HVAC, there's roofers, there's drywallers, everything known to construction is being done in there. And guess what? If they're in there doing the work, they're not the boss. They're not the general contractor. They're the ones that are doing it for the hourly work or the price per job. And every one of those people do side work. So if you can go in and talk to some of these people, whatever it is that you're looking for, like I've had basements remodeled by the people that were doing the actual 
uh, building of the house in the neighborhood, and these people did not have their basement done because the builder wanted $35,000, but I went and got the exact people that were doing the work in the neighborhood in Phase 2, and they came back to Phase 1 to finish out the basement on their own as a side job, and we did it for under $15,000. So you got the exact same people that you were paid to get the exact same job done, but you paid half as much. And these people are licensed and they're insured because they're already working for the builder. Um, and I hope that that makes sense to some of your listeners because that's a great tip right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it is. Now, speaking of licensed and insured, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, many times uh, if, if we let it be known that we're looking for folks to do particular jobs, uh, we get approached by people who will say, oh, yeah, I've had 30 years experience of this and I'm great and I can do everything. And when you ask the question about are you bonded, are you, do you have workers comp, do you have insurance, uh, the, right. the answer is, yeah, I'll get that to you. And somehow it never materializes. And many times, you know, these are the guys who are, are bidding cheap because you know, insurance costs money, right? Especially if you're, if you're say, a tree removal person, the, the insurance right. for that is not cheap. Would you ever hire someone who didn't have insurance and workers' comp? Um, I would. Now, that being said, I want to say that I prefer to use people that are licensed, bonded, and insured. However, that is not always the case, as, as you know, those of us uh, like you who have been in real estate for years and years and years know that that's not always the case that that happens, even if it's by accident. So a lot of times what I'll do is if I don't have the exact paperwork that I'm looking for from them in my hand, then I might go as far as to have them sign a waiver of liability. Now, I know that that's not a cure-all, fix-all, but it is something that helps out. Now, here's how I get somebody to sign something like that. Uh, and it's very specific, and I'll go over this to uh, in front of the people um, that come to the to, to the two meetings. Uh, I will show an example of this actual waiver of liability. But what happens is I'm going to uh, have these people, they, they normally end up wanting some sort of money up front. And so I say, okay, well, if you want some money down for materials, follow me to my bank, and I'll cut you a check. Well, the reason why I take them to the bank is because the people that are behind the, the tellers, all the tellers, are notaries. And what I do is before I give them any money down towards the materials, after I have gotten them to, to fill out a contract with me agreeing who's going to do what and why, then as part of their contractual agreement, I pull out a waiver of liability to where it says that if they get hurt on the job or uh, basically they end up having any kind of damage done on the job, then they are giving up their right to hold me responsible uh, for these things. And basically that what they do is they look at this piece of paper that is standing in the way of them getting the check, and they're looking at the check. And so they'll say, okay, I'll sign that. And what I do is I have them sign it, and then the teller that's going to cash the check for them is actually the person that notarizes it, and they've just notarized the fact that they are an independent third party uh, that has nothing to do with with gaining anything on either side, and that this person signed away uh, their signed this waiver of liability with without being under duress and everything, and then I end up cashing their check and and let them go on and, and get their materials. So. Um, that's just one of the ways, um, and I'll go over several ways, but one of them is the waiver of liability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, listeners need to understand that that a waiver of liability, as you said, is not is not a cure all. It's if if somebody really hurts themselves and they get a really good lawyer, you know, you'd think you'd think the way the world worked is is, hey, you're a contractor. If you don't carry workers comp, I guess you're you're out of luck. Uh, But the way the world works is you get them in front of a jury and the jury sees, you know, their poor, I don't know, leg missing or whatever it is that that they're hurt. And the jury says, oh, no, 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 no. The the person whose house it was needs to pay, even though they cut off their own leg with a table saw because they were on pills and drunk and jumping up and down Mm -hmm. on the saw simultaneously. And that, uh, you know, that certainly, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that that the insurance is meant to cover. And that having a having a waiver of liability is probably not going to protect you from a lawsuit in the case of a serious injury. Um, right, s- only minor injuries. And uh, you know, it it is a good idea to to end up checking into a builder's risk type of of insurance. And sometimes you can call your actual insurance company that your own home is insured under and ask them what it would cost extra to put just a little bit of coverage. Um, and, and normally they can add on to this for a short term for a small amount of money. So uh, there are a couple of ways to address that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, listeners, if you have questions about specific rehab tips, and, and, and really I'm envisioning here, uh, you know, you're looking at a house that you're thinking about rehabbing and wondering whether it's worth it to add a second bathroom, that sort of thing, uh, definitely send us an email by going to askvina. Uh, dot com and and or give us a phone call at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. Now, Pete, one more one more sort of general thing I want to talk about before we get into like what are you doing in houses right now to spend the least money and make the most money is mm-hmm. uh, about the the materials costs. Materials costs have gone way up in the last five or six years. It seems like every time there's a spike in oil prices, the cost of anything that's got oil in it rises. And then when the oil prices go back down, they don't go back down again. So right, we've, we've had, you know, increases in the cost of carpet, windows, roof shingles, you know, anything uh, that is either manufacturing intensive or actually has petroleum products in it. So what do you do to save money in, in that department? Are you shopping at the big box stores like everybody else? Do you have some sort of discounts that the rest of us could get? How, do, how does that work? Okay. The way that I gauge where I'm going to buy my materials from is simply like this. If I'm going to get a hodgepodge of all different kinds of things, then I will go to your, your big box major hardware stores. And I will go in there because... Uh, if I'm going to buy some windows, a couple of doors, uh, you know, some paint, uh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, then they're going to be higher on some stuff and lower on other things. And I may end up having that wash somewhere in the middle. So if I'm getting a whole bunch of stuff, then I will do the big box type thing. But if I'm looking for very specific type things, like if I'm only doing roofing uh, uh, this week, and I'm only doing painting the following week, and I'm only going to do carpet the following couple of days, then I will go to the material supply houses that supply those things, a roofing supply house, a carpet uh, wholesale warehouse, a tile warehouse, um, you know, things of that nature, paint stores and things. And what you want to do is you don't want to go in and ask for a contractor discount because most people aren't necessarily contractors or licensed contractors. So you don't use the word contractor. You go in and you say, I would like to open up a cash account because what you're doing is you want to get on their computer. 
Now, the first thing that any major store asks you when you go in and you start to buy something, like you go in one of the local paint stores and you're going to buy a couple of gallons of paint, the first thing they said is, uh, do you have an account with us? Well, if you say no, then they're going to look at a sign up on the wall that says this particular paint costs this much money and they're going to charge you that much per gallon. But if you end up saying, yes, I do have an account with you, it's uh, you know on so-and-so street um, back in Georgia somewhere, and they can pull it up on a computer, especially if it's a chain, and um, they can end up seeing that you are on their computer list. Now, that computer list is exactly the same list that contractors are on that get sent the weekly specials and things of that nature. So you might get something that says paintbrushes this week, normally $20, and you're going to get them for 12 And five-gallon buckets of such and such of paint, normally $69 per this, that, or the other, or how much per gallon, and they're going to be several dollars off. So you're going to get the same thing on that. And generally, if you get the same discounts as contractors, you're going to get anywhere from uh, sometimes a 30 up to a 40% discount on some of the materials based on what their markup is. So uh, getting a cash account, just open it up with your own name. You don't have to have an LLC unless you want to. You don't have to have a company name. But just go in there and open up a cash account at these places, and you will qualify for discounts just because you're on their computer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And many times with some of, the, some of the smaller local stores, if they see your face often enough, they'll just offer you you the contractor discount at some point because they want you to keep coming around and not go to the big box store that's on every corner in the United States. Um, yeah, my father used to used to get discounts on just about every kind of material just by shopping at the material stores, and some of those discounts are very significant, like 60 percent, eighty percent over what the public pays on those things. So, right. yeah, great advice. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some specific rehab issues, some things that uh, make your make your house more attractive for not too much money, make it rent for more, make it sell for more. And if you have questions, go to askvina.com, fill out our information form, or give us a call at 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mr. Pete Youngs. He is headed to Ohio. For those of you who are in the area, but even if you're not, this is a great opportunity to suck up some good rehab knowledge. Pete specializes in teaching people how to save big money on rehab, which is an area of study that at some point or another, all of us need to take the time to make because you're going to run across a rehab if you're a real estate investor, and that's just <laughs> the bottom line. Uh, our number here in the studio is 877-772-9658. Our email uh, contact is via our website, askvina.com. Don't try to put that into your, don't don't open up your you know Outlook and put askvina.com into the, into the, um, um, address line because that's not going to work. Askvina.com is a website. You go over there. You look at the um, the free offers we have up there, and you also uh, fill in the blank for our weekly e-letter, and then you ask your question. Actually, you don't have to do any of that other stuff. You can just ask your question if that's what you want to do, and s- hit the send button. It will come here. Remember to tell us where you're from, because it does make a difference. I mean, if you're if you're asking about a rehab and you know, sunny Southern California, it might be a different answer than if it's in Providence, Rhode Island, or something. So be sure and tell us where you're writing from. Pete, we got an email here from Joe, who's in Dayton, Ohio. 
He says, uh, I'm hoping Pete can answer this question. I am trying to sell a property that I did a complete rehab on, but the customers keep complaining about the roof. I believe it's only 10 years old. It's definitely not leaking. The shingles aren't curling. However, it has black stains on it that appear, make it appear much older than it actually is. Should I replace the roof or is there some other solution? There actually is another solution. Now, with it being cold outside, this is not going to be something that that might be good to do right this second. But there are ways that you can clean roofs, and one of them is using a low-pressure tip with a pressure washer, and you are able to end up cleaning that stuff off. Now, that being said, with it being cold in, in the area, obviously it's going to be cold in Dayton, there are certain kinds of spray chemicals that you can spray on there that will take that black stuff off. Um, you're going to go into your, your major hardware stores and go in and describe the situation to them. Um, they're going to have some particular types of of products that they're going to give you the name of, which uh, I can't. So I'm going to end up recommending that you go in there and explain the situation. And I have gone as far as to spray this with two-gallon pump-up sprayers um, that you can buy anywhere. It's just a garden sprayer that, that you would spray pesticides or whatever with. Um, I use it to spray chemicals. And there are some, some very good products that you can spray on there and let it evaporate, and it will remove the black stains from the roof. Now, um, again, if, if you were in Florida, then I'd tell you to have somebody get up there and use a pressure washer on it because the, the weather would be good. It'd be nice and all kinds of stuff. But uh, in your particular case, chemicals are going to be the, the answer for you. And you go in to the big box store or, or your local hardware store, describe what it is that you're trying to do, and they will tell you what will take that off and whether it needs to be diluted or not. Um, the one that I particularly use has to be diluted in order for you to use it. It will not damage your shingles whatsoever, and it's an easy application, and you just let it evaporate. And sometimes it takes more than one coat. And um, if you are going to uh, be anywhere uh, available or, or maybe, um, you know, you can send something to Vena, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get more more specific with the answer on that. But if you just go into the, the store and, and ask them, uh, just what I told you to do, then then they're going to recommend you a certain spray on, let it evaporate material. Mm -hmm. And Pete, the the roof question when you're rehabbing and reselling a house is always a big one. I mean, when you, when you buy a house for rental, you don't replace that roof until it's imminently leaking, <laughs> because like like That's like correct. like it's two days from leaking because you want to get as much lifespan as you can out of the roof before you before you have to spend you know three or three or four or five thousand dollars replacing it. But when you're buying a house to resell it, roofs have a long lifespan, but they do start to look kind of nasty about, you know, 15, 15 years in. And, and, you know, people like the new dimensional shingles as, a pair, as opposed to the old flat shingles. How do, how do you make that decision about whether a roof has to stay or go when, when, you're, when you're working your estimates at the beginning before you buy the house? Well, first off, I... I a lot of times I'm not in a position to get up on the roof to actually physically inspect what it is, and I don't expect everybody to be crawling up on roofs. So what I do is I recommend people carry a pair of binoculars with them, and you can actually get a pretty good idea what 
what kind of shape a roof is in by walking around looking at the major parts. You look at where the boots are. You look where flashing comes up around chimneys and, and things of that nature. And you look for anything that might be in there. All right. The second thing is, is I will go up if there's any attic space whatsoever. I will go up into the attic space and get some lighting in there if there's not already lighting and look for signs of leakage on the actual roof material itself um, by looking at the uh, plywood or decking, whichever you want to call it, and, and look for signs of light. I'll get someplace that that actually I feel safe at. I know I'm not going to step through anything, and I'll turn the light on. I'm uh, sorry, the light off, and I'll look for any beams of light that may be coming in that would indicate where water could come in. Um, other than that, uh, if the roof does not look brittle, and it, uh, once again, I will try and clean it up with some sort of spray-on chemicals, but the actual roof, it, whether they tell you it's a 20-year, 25-year, or or 30-year, if you're you're lucky to get 20 years out of a roof, so. Uh, at 15, what I, at 15 years, I'm looking that maybe I might have some some little playroom in there with the price. That if somebody mentions something about a roof, then I may end up saying, well, I'll give you a credit towards a new roof uh, instead of go ahead and and get it done. But I won't I won't actually do it unless somebody physically will sign a contract with me if I agree to do the roof. That's when I'll do the roof. Otherwise, I'll try and give them a credit towards it, or um, I will avoid it uh, altogether. Mm -hmm. Because, once again, it is a big expense, like you said, and I will do it if I have to. I'll do it if they'll sign a contract, and I'll do it if it's profitable to me. Other than that, then I try and, and, uh, and put it off or give a credit for it. Okay. Very good. Um, we have a question here from Emilio in Houston. He says, Pete, one of the things that has always confused me is how to tell the age of a central air conditioning unit. I know that the big round ones are old and that the smaller square ones are probably new. But beyond that, I can't tell the age. And particularly in something like a bank owned property where the utilities are not on, this could be very important. Yes, that is a very important thing. The life expectancy is between 12 to 15 years on most of those major appliances. So I'm going to tell you a technique that works on water heaters. It works on air conditioner units, heating units, and even as far as uh, washers, dryers, and dishwashers. There's going to be a silver sticker or a silver tag on these particular products. There's going to be a serial number on there, and it's going to say serial number. So what you do is you look for the serial number, and the first four digits of the serial number are going to be the manufacture date on the AC, on the water heater, on any major appliance, heaters, furnaces, stuff like that. So if it says um, serial number, and it says 017 97 then that means that, that was manufactured on january 7th of 1997 and so you figure out how many years that that's been in use and that will give you a good ballpark on whether it is old enough to be considered to be replaced mm-hmm. now you can always go as far as to if you know the the actual product is working 
then you can go to just about any real estate agency and buy a home warranty for a year and put that on your house, pay for it the first time, which can be renewed by somebody who buys your house, but at least it'll give them peace of mind that after, you know, within the first year, if something goes wrong, then it will be uh, repaired. But the best way to find out is to look for that silver tag, look for the first four digits in the uh, silver tag in the serial number, and that will tell you the manufacture date, and you can uh, you can take that to the bank. Mm-hmm. So the first four digits are month and then year. Yes, like 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 ten oh seven would be October of two thousand and seven. Yes. Okay. Yes, and I, I I probably ended up putting a, a an actual day in there, uh, which is which is not correct. It would be uh, it would be the month zero one for January, twelve for December, and then the uh, ninety seven or oh seven or whatever for the actual date. Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, I'm Emilio, glad, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that, Emilio. That was a very simple uh, answer to a question that you've probably had in your head for six months. So, congratulations for listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. If you have a question, give us a call at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight or send it via our website askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Mr. Pete Youngs. And I realized after I said it that that whole thing about he's going to be in Columbus, you can go to this website, he's going to be Cincinnati, you can be this website was way too confusing. So I just posted it at Real Life Real Estate's Investing Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com slash real life real estate, uh, you can simply see right there what the websites are to uh get to those meetings. They are both uh, free to guests. So if you are anywhere in the vicinity and you want to learn a whole lot more about how to save big money on real estate rehab, uh, just come on in and say, hey, I heard about it on Real Life Real Estate. And um, there's some good stuff here. Uh, Pete and I were talking on the phone the other day and he, he gave me an idea that is literally going to keep me from probably ever replacing a countertop again that's just ugly. You know, the ones the ones that are all beat up and peeling and stuff like that, you know, you replace them. But the ones that they're in perfect shape and they've been taken care of wonderfully since they were put in in 1955. There's actually a solution for that that we, we can't really sadly discuss on public radio because it involves particular products. But that's the sort of thing Pete will get to talk to or talk about while he is in Columbus and Cincinnati next week. Um, Pete, tell us a little bit about uh, the the rehab resale market right now. I, it, I know, you know, home buyers, their, their tastes change as time goes by. And, you know, we'll have somebody come in here in, in 2007, and they're saying, do, do a certain set of things. And then, it, you know, in 2010, they're saying, oh, no, don't do that anymore. People don't like it. <laughs> Oh, no, it's 2014. Um, Let's talk about what what trends you are seeing that are, are, you know, rehabs that you're going to do anyway, but you want to do it um, uh, in a way that is going to sell your house very quickly. Let's let's talk about stuff like... uh, Kitchen cabinets. What what's the thing right now? Is it is it the darker style? Is it the lighter style? Is it the the mixed style that I'm seeing in some displays where you got some light cabinets, some dark cabinets? What's the what's the thing right now that is most attractive to the most people? Well, you know, you're starting to get a mixed style right now. Um, there are still really nice looking cabinets that are the darker, and there are still some very nice cabinets uh, and situations that are the lighter. But a mix of the two has been something that I've been seeing a trend 
the start uh, within the last year or so. Um, my big thing is that if I'm going to replace anything, then I'm going to replace basically what I know to be around the neighborhood itself. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to be the only house in the neighborhood that makes the change. So if there's other houses for sale in the area, then I may end up pulling them up on the uh, MLS or or whatever listing services you may use that might have pictures of the insides of properties that are in like neighborhoods or in the same neighborhood, and I will match to what they've done, especially if they end up putting in that they have done renovations on the properties. So if they've done renovations on the properties and it shows pictures to where they've got dark cabinets in there, but it says they've replaced the cabinets, then I know that they have been suggested either by realtors or by decorators that it is still good to stick with the darker colors in that particular area or that particular price range of house. Whereas I will look for to see if there's granite countertops and things of that nature. If there's granite countertops in the majority of the newer re- renovated houses in that particular price range, then I know that I'm going to have to step up and do the same thing in order to stay with what's selling in the neighborhood. But I have seen a mix be something that's common in maybe $150,000 or less houses, uh, $100,000 and less houses. But anytime that you start getting into the higher end, then they're still going with darker-looking cabinets, Um, not necessarily the dark, dark, dark brown, but at least a a medium brown color or or something that accents and everything. So uh, that's what I've found to be a trend. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, here's here's one that um, I guess if you make a mistake, it's not that that difficult to correct it, but you never want to have to go back in and do something after you think you're finished. Paint finishes. I, mm-hmm. I, I was at I was at a paint store the other day looking for some paint for for a room in my own house, and I had picked out the color. and They said, "Well, what what kind of finish do you want that in?" And I said, "Well, what 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 do you recommend?" And they surprised me by saying that they that they were now recommending an eggshell finish because quote that was what people wanted. Uh, what are you what are you seeing in the way of of finishes and and uh, particularly you know the the wet rooms like the bathroom and the kitchen versus the the living space? Okay, all right. Um, there's basically four or five different types of paint finish. There is there's going to be a flat paint. There's going to be a semi-gloss. There's going to be an eggshell. Uh, there's going to be a couple of variations of that particular type. And what that means is how much sheen does it have? Now, it used to be to where you would use flat paint on the walls because flat paint does not shine and it hides imperfections. And then you would use semi-gloss paint on your trim because that cleans up real well and you can wipe it down with detergents and it cleans up very very well and it holds up real good now they came out with eggshell and some of these other type um, finishes to where you use those on the walls because they are more scrubbable and clean up better fingerprints and stuff like that around um, light switches and and around heater vents and and stuff like that to where they would be able to be washed. You could wash your walls. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, years ago, it used to be that that my grandmother and, and, and such, they used to end up washing down their walls quite often instead of repainting all the time. So the trend is 
to now have some sort of a sheen on your actual walls themselves so that you can wash them down and they can clean up well. So eggshell has become a very popular sheen, which is not very glossy, but it's not flat, and it cleans up very well. So um, I, I tend to use a glossier finish when I am in uh, laundry rooms, bathrooms, and kitchens, because those are the, going to be the ones that get the most dirt, bathrooms, laundry rooms, and kitchens. Okay, in bedrooms, hallways, and things of that nature, I will tend to go with an eggshell on the walls because it is a nice, soft sheen, but and it's not necessarily flat, and it's not going to show a, a lot of imperfections, but it's going to be able to be cleaned well, and, and that works out real well. So eggshell is going to be great, and, uh, and if you go into those dirtier rooms, the ones that are going to get more dirt, then you're going to go to the glossier finish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Pete, we just got a last-minute question in via email from Mar- Marcia. That's probably actually pronounced Marcia. It's just got a C in it instead of an S. Uh, from Columbus. She says, would you please ask Pete if he would ever buy a house that he knew had mold in it? I know that cleaning that up can be expensive, but on the other hand, I would think that it would make the seller more motivated. Yes, I would definitely buy a mold house or a property that has mold in it. As a matter of fact, just about every single house that you would ever test, if you were going to test it, will test positive for some sorts of mold. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to be dangerous because there's so many molds out there. And uh, some people know this about me and some don't, but I am actually a mold expert. I actually teach mold classes. Um, and and actually uh, give tests and everything, um, and I I don't really know whether I'm allowed to say the agency that I that I am uh, qualified for, but uh, but we won't say it just for just to be safe. But uh, I am definitely a qualified um, expert at giving people instruction on what to do with mold houses. Now, there's a difference between mold renovation and mold cleanup. So you can get a discount on a property by testing it with air samples, and the air will uh, be tested by an independent laboratory, and uh, this is something that I will go over um, when I'm in Ohio, and it's going to be a way to test air into a little cartridge. It's sent off to an independent laboratory, and they send you back a whatever number page report that says what kinds of molds, toxins, allergens, and bacteria were found in the air in that property. Now, this is particularly good for bank-owned properties because, number one, they're motivated. They want to sell the bank-owned properties, especially if they're starting to gather up what they call shadow inventory that they can't advertise and sell right away. So uh, once you end up establishing that there is a mold in in the property, then you can actually get a discount by getting a contractor uh, estimate on what it would cost to get rid of the mold, and they call that remediation. And we teach mold cleanup, which means that with the right chemicals, you can just have your carpets cleaned, your cabinets cleaned, uh, your countertops wiped off, your kitchens and bathrooms cleaned up, and retest that same property in the same room and send it to the same independent laboratory and get what's called a non-elevated reading because it only comes either elevated or non-elevated. And once you clean up and send back the second one, it, it's always non-elevated. But we send in our offers based on the fact that we're going to have to pay a contract company to come in and clean up the mold, and we get that discount 
based on how much the repair for the uh, renovation would cost to remediate the mold. But then we just do mold cleanup, which is hundreds of dollars instead of thousands. So that's how we create a discount with a mold property. So yes, it is very much uh, a good thing to do to consider buying a mold property, provided that it's not uh, a, a toxic mold. So Marsha, it sounds like whatever property you were thinking about making an offer on and hesitating on because of the mold, you might want to reconsider just a get a discount appropriate to what it's going to cost them to do it, not what it's going to cost you to do it. <laughs> get, to get the bigger discount. Exactly. Um, Pete, we got about one minute left. If you had one tip for the renovator out there who's struggling with rehab costs, you know, they, they, they just, they, they, they can't seem to get them down to where their competitors are getting them. What would that piece of advice be? That piece of advice would be to not overfix the property. What you need to do is you need to consider the property a C-hab, S-E-E, hab, instead of a rehab. If you can see it, fix it, because that means somebody else will fix it. Uh, what normally happens is people go in and they dig around for things to find to fix up because they would want it done if they were living in the house. What I do is I recommend that you do the cosmetics first and then let people come and start looking at your house. And if they suggest that they'd like to see something else done, then you say, if I put that in the contract, will you sign a contract with me today and I'll make those repairs? And if they say, no, I'm going to go look at some other houses, then I know that they're not necessarily going to buy that house. So I don't fix that because somebody said they wanted it fixed. And then that way I don't spend five or $10,000 more fixing things because people said, oh, I'd like to see this done, but then they weren't going to buy the house anyway. So I do cosmetics first and then let people suggest what would need to be done after that if they'll sign a contract. Interesting approach, interesting approach and, and good advice. And we appreciate you being here today, Pete, and we very much look forward to seeing you next week in Ohio. Uh, We, of course, will be back here next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. 